Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This is the broadcast for November the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide, and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers one of the great peaceful solutions we have at our fingertips. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And it is a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled. We're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time. Friday, we had on Richard Mack with us yesterday, and we talked about some critical topics, as you well know. We talked about, uh, we had on also guest Mark Fincham, Arizona State Representative running for Secretary of State of Arizona. VoteFincham.com. The battle's really close for him and Carrie Lake. And uh, we talked about that there's literally fake news everywhere, folks. McCarthy declares his, um, you know, that he's going to be speaker before we even know if we win the House, much less if they'll have him be the speaker. What a disgrace as he seeks for power. Kevin McCarthy would be uh, feckless at best, and it would be a disaster. Um, Is the U.S. now third world status? We asked that question because when you look at the elections, we can't even figure out what the heck is going on when it comes to the vote? You know what? If other countries couldn't get their votes together, would think we as a country need to kind of go in there and help them get their act together. I'm not suggesting we should. I'm just telling you that's kind of been the mentality. And now we're in serious trouble. Turns out charges were dropped against the uh, Conic software uh, owner or executive, Eugene Yu. And it's very strange how they dropped those charges. The district attorney's office did not clarify whether the company had, in fact, stored data on communist Chinese servers. It also wasn't clear if more charges would be filed, but they claimed that the uh, people submitting the evidence were biased. Therefore, we got to dismiss it. It's a scandal, folks. True the Vote said, listen, that its team had downloaded, downloaded Connex data straight from the Chinese servers. Now, the mainstream press claims without evidence they make that claim. However, they say, no, we turned a hard drive over to the FBI. Well, remember, because Eugene, you sued Greg and Catherine. Now the FBI can't answer the question, you see, because there's an ongoing investigation. So the mainstream press gets to lie and claim Greg and Catherine are making these claims without evidence. But they say, no, the evidence was submitted to the FBI. Well, now the FBI can't even confirm if they have the evidence, right? Because it's under investigation. You see how these thugs play the game? Anyway, you got to ask, did Obama spank Trump? Obama literally campaigned, so did Trump, both former presidents, and uh, Obama had a lot of wins on his team, shocking the Republicans. Trump reportedly livid after his candidates losing in the midterms, screaming at everyone, they say. Trump attacks DeSantis, unwarranted. I don't think that Trump or DeSantis are the best guys in the world, but you know what? They're better than most in many cases, and I don't know why Trump would attack DeSantis. In my opinion, that makes no sense except for ego is kind of in the mix. Now, uh, Kaylee McEnany or whatever urges Trump to delay uh, his potential announcement until after the Georgia runoff. The Georgia runoffs are a sham uh, as well. <laughs> People ask, what the heck is a runoff election? Um, 
you know what? These runoff elections are a disaster, folks. In my opinion, they're criminal. Um, the race between this uh, Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker will be decided in a, gen, um, or a December 6th runoff, they say. Why does Georgia have a runoff law, you ask? I don't know if you know, but Georgia's runoff law was created in the 1960s as a way to, quote, preserve white political power in a majority white state and diminish the influence of black politicians who could more easily win in a, quote, multi-candidate race with a plurality of the vote. That's according to a report by the U.S. Interior Department of all places. And in 2020, the races for both um, state Senate seats ended with wins through runoffs. This has been very helpful to keep the Democrats in power. Mr. Warnock won his race uh, in a special election after the retirement of Senator Johnny Isaacson. And John Ossoff, another Democrat, won the other. Um, anyway, basically, Democrats only won one of seven statewide runoffs in general before, but now it's become a big tool for them to win. Um, anyway, bottom line is I submit to you that the runoffs are criminal. But I think the U.S. has now turned into third world status over these elections, folks. We can't even figure out who won or didn't win literally days and weeks after elections now. That's third world stuff. Dr. Scott Bradley's with me, freedomsrisingsun.com. Welcome with this question. Is the U.S. now approaching third world status, sir? Oh, I think in every way, shape, and form it is with the, uh, I mean, you look at we're the largest debtor nation in the world. We have uh, military and a, uh, uh, civilian juntas that are uh, seem to be running amok when it comes to leadership positions. Um and, and you point out some of the facades in the voting situation. You didn't even talk about the Alaska, where the uh, ranked status voting has happening. Where, I mean, it that's so much opportunity that's fraught with opportunity to uh, to do fraud. Uh, one thing you said, though, by the way, when you came on, I I just wanted to kind of go back and highlight it. The idea <coughs> how they're talking about changing leadership in the house and you said we don't even know if we won the house yet sam i gotta tell you we did not win the house that term uh the people's house has been completely debauched and you point out i think in your follow-on comments that uh, that uh the chance that we'll really get a true principled individual as speaker of the house or slim zero but we we we, the people, we that are seeking liberty and proper government did not win the House, regardless of how this turns out. If Nancy or who, you know, it's just appalling to me, the log rolling and the special interests and the power plays and the establishment, all those things that are smearing what should have been a more, you know, clearly understood approach to how things are going to go. I can guarantee you, well, I guess, I mean, I can hope against hope. I can pray. I can pray for the, infer in, you know, intervention of God. God gives us what we deserve and what we ask for. And so I'm afraid that the people are asking for something that, that is going to be quite tragic. But the point of the matter is um, principle did, did not and will not win in the House. Uh, regardless of the uh, if the Republicans come up with the majority, which it appears they probably will, um, there won't be this 
vast red wave that everybody talked about. I mean, it was a, a ripple at best and not really even that. And the Senate is still very much up in the air because of these runoffs and these delayed counts and, and these ranked voting messes that are going on, like up in Alaska. Um, you, you really can't predict who's going to run it. And whichever party runs it, I fear, is going to be so diluted and polluted yeah, and uh, the, the parties in principle. and of themselves, Dr. Criminal, the very idea that a private organization can literally uh, place themselves on the ballot, then literally have their buddies write legislation to protect their own powerhouses of, of activity uh, to where all others are virtually excluded. Uh, and in modern day, it's almost impossible to change that narrative. Uh, third parties have tried to get on the ballots in given states. It's just so, so expensive so difficult to where they literally you now have private entities literally controlling United States elections that alone is election fraud if you really study the details of parties well you know what the founding fathers said about that and Washington in his farewell address if you go to that sole and only source and review today do it today people review the the farewell address of George Washington at the end of his second term of presidency and find out how he pled with the people. Do not go with parties. You know, it's interesting you bring up third parties. A third parties, uh, a long shot, but a write-in even more so. And I know you've got some down in your neck of the woods that have happened. And we had one up in our neck of the woods. This guy, I mean, it was a concerted effort by citizens. This was a true citizen. Let's see if we can get a change in this. It didn't work. The, the bad guy won 57% of the votes. But the good guy got 43 on a ride-in. That's unheard of for someone to get a ride-in like that. But there was truly a citizen. But they make the bar so high, you'll never, you know, you'll never get it done with ride-in hardly. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible. That's how Lisa Murkowski in Alaska got there. Uh, Well, that's because we could discuss it. Yeah, but again, this is where criminal activity at every element of these elections, they claim we talk about election fraud without evidence, and we can go on and on. Look, this runoff in Georgia, folks, it was all designed to literally control elections and engineer different outcomes, okay? Listen, why is the December runoff so important in Georgia? Because in 2021, by the way, the runoff victories by Warnock and Ossoff, reshaped Congress by helping Democrats clinch the thinnest of majorities in the Senate where Vice President Kamala Harris is the tiebreaker. Okay, this is what I'm talking about. They're manipulating the elections till the cows come home. At every turn you see it. Uh, and it, look, these writing candidates, I appreciate them. Don't get me wrong, they're better than nothing. At least you have somebody to vote for that might be good. But these grassroots efforts are intentionally flat out shut down. And when you run for president of the United States or vice president, as Dr. Scott Bradley has done, hey, can you skip the break, Cam? Uh, Like they have done, then you kind of begin to understand. You can't even get on the ballots in these states to be a real contender. This is all by design. Criminal activity of election fraud by these parties. Dr. Bradley? You know, again, I, I would admonish strongly. I would plead with you cajole, whatever you want. Use the terminology that fits your vocabulary. Exhort, invite. Yeah, plead. Anyway, uh, go read George Washington's farewell address this morning. It's only, depending on the font, it's in 8 to 12 pages. It's It's a tiny little document. 
but he covers so many critically important uh, issues that had we listened and applied during the ensuing centuries, we'd be a far different country. We'd be so much better off. He talks with uh, and, uh, this particular issue, this uh, party issue. He says it's it's going to be the methodology by which our nation could be destroyed, and it, it truly, literally is at this point. Again, getting back to the House, um, our, they're probably going to pick a new speaker, okay? And they're already casting about for votes and so on and so forth. You know, I, I just let's go back to, to uh, Paul Ryan. Remember him? He was a I first time I ever saw him, he was in the house, and he's an intelligent, articulate, good-looking kid, you know. And uh, the first time I saw him, I thought, my heck, this guy, this guy can string a sentence together, and and he actually he makes sense when he's talking. But if you listen carefully to what he was proposing, every single sentence was an unconstitutional approach to how it was a budget issue that they were trying to get through, and he he'd gone public with. Uh, a big press conference, and like I say, he was on—he was a showcase. This was how they were bringing him forth, and they were going—I mean, they were grooming him to be the speaker. But yes, it's a disaster. But a careful folks. listening was—it's not constitutional. By the way, that Stacey, Stacey Abrams got her head handed to her in Georgia. She was being groomed as a presidential candidate, but she's lost big time in the last little while. Beto O'Rourke lost big time in Texas again. He was uh, Yeah, really, the bottom candidate. line is the red's getting redder and the blue's getting bluer, Doctor. Well, there's more acrimony than, than uh, you've ever seen, and, and that's why I believe, and it's that we can probably talk about this even at, I mean, I know time's flying, but I think it's going to be hard for the Republicans to win in 2024. I hate to tell that to people, but the shine was taken off of Trump because most of his candidates did not win. Well, the, and uh, now his his negative hatred about that and his belligerent, I mean, the Republican candidates are losing their minds over this. It's making them look very, very bad. It's also making it very difficult to legitimately talk about election fraud because they're all frothing at the mouth rather than talking about real evidence. This is the case when you have third world status for countries, though. And look, is. when we talk about anger over abortion rights, fueling the Democrats, Michigan voted to add an amendment to its state constitution literally that'll allow abortion up to 24 weeks. The first major election post-Roe, if you will, look, is promoting new abortion rights, mainly three big states, California, Michigan, Vermont, Kentucky, all doubling down in defense of abortion. Now, here's the problem. Okay, uh, Kentucky voters reject pro-life constitutional amendment. Chemical, chemical abortions are now the majority of U.S. abortions. Access to chemical murder is the new battleground, folks. Now, here's the problem, and here's why I bring this up, Dr. Bradley. It was one thing when our leaders through the courts created Roe versus Wade and created murder for literally 50-plus years. That's one thing when your leaders do that and the people are generally against abortion. Uh, the Lord might hold his hand because the people are kind of held hostage by their leadership. But they've been indoctrinating us for more than 50 years, and now many, many, many Americans are literally backing murder, pro-death. So now that it's gone to the states, state legislative bodies uh, are uh, evilly doing this. Uh, and then these amendments and all these other things that the people are voting on. The people are literally voting for wickedness now. And I'm telling you right now, that's I don't speak for the Lord, but I do read what he promises and says. That's when he will take off the gloves, doctor. This ain't going to be pretty, sir. 
Well, that that's uh, rightly so. I mean, and I I say bring it on, baby. I mean, and I you know, and I I know you're <coughs> you'd like to say, Lord, please give us a little more mercy for a while longer. I've always said He's a lot more patient than I am, but this is where it is. Michigan, they amend their constitution, complete idiots to put into the Constitution, you can kill unborn babies. Now, as the people, the voice of the people chooses iniquity, the wrath of God ultimately will be exposed. And you're right, when they had black robe judges that the voice of the people had no choice in, in selecting or anything, then maybe there was a mitigating circumstance where, where God could say, you know what, the people really didn't, so we got to, you know. I mean, I, I don't know how he rationalizes with himself. I'm I'm just kind of talking the way people would talk. But the point of the matter is, when the voice of the people chooses iniquity, and we the people are doing so, and this election that was done, it was based upon acrimony. It was based upon false principles. The, the true character of the nation is beginning to be truly expressed. I, I, I think Trump's chance of winning a 2024 presidential reelection are slim and none also. Uh, I think that the Democrats are probably thinking, look what this guy did. He endorsed, what, 330 candidates? I don't know. It was over 300. Yeah, it's 400 plus rate. candidates from what I understand. Is it? Okay. The success rate was about 50% at best. And, and the fact of the matter is that's where the whole vote went. If you look at this, the plurality of the vote, if you counted all the votes up in the whole nation, it's about 50-50. And, and you, now these people, oh, here's a side trip for you. These people that are trying to rewrite the Constitution, they keep saying, oh, I, I know, but if we can get a, a convention, th th there's more Republicans in control of the states than there are Democrats. Woo-woo, we're going to win. It is so Almost close. Almost got me. You're off your rocker. So, That's a nut braid. That's crazy as a loon. Look, folks, that's the problem. we don't have any real mojo. And even the 50% of Republicans or the, the Republicans that got 50%, most of them are deep state. Most of them don't have a clue about the constitutionality of America uh, at all, folks. Well, that's the and, thing. You've and got it starts to with measure. Donald, no offense. It does. You've got to measure everything at the right scale. If you're measuring in a principled scale based upon the original intent, as in the plain English words of the United States Constitution, you've got a half a chance. But if you start saying, well, the Republicans believe and the Democrats believe, well, they have skewed and it's Tweedledee and Tweedledum in so many instances. I know there are some very, very, very rare instances where there's some principled people. But I would say the very, 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 very is not enough varies because so often we have been polluted by well, the education system, we no longer, you know, people, American students don't know that from each according to his ability and to each according to his need is Marxist. They don't know that's not the Americanist principles. And then we've got the influx of invaders that are gaining the vote that Jefferson warned us about that are not steeped in our traditions of liberty and proper government. And they are voting now. And and what are they voting for? Well, they came from socialist countries. I know, I know, we're a socialist fascist country too. But the fact is, they reinforce that. They're gaining ascendancy in the legislation. You look at the mix now that's in, in the House of Representatives in the United States. Holy Hannah, look at who's there. These people aren't just uh, nibble around the edges socialists. They're flat-out communists. And they don't say that about themselves.
but we've done this with by polluting our our vote with invaders that don't have the slightest clue about what principles they ought to be preserving for themselves and their posterity and our school kids and why I say school kids these are people that have gone K through 12 through universities and now sit as mayors and congressmen and senators and so on they're in their 50s and 60s and 70s because this has been going on intensively since the 30s in the United States to go with the humanist religion in schools with the uh, violation of the First Amendment. It's, it's an established religion, a godless religion that, that uh, has faith. Well, it's faith. It's, it's a faith-based belief system that doesn't have a divine God. It has the belief in, in man's wisdom. But that's what we've got in the nation today. And so, yeah, we're, we're approaching, fast approaching, I fear, a time when we have no more excuses. And when you have states like Michigan that write into their constitution, it's okay to kill babies. Sam, last Monday when we talked, uh, we go back and people can review our discussion. I talked at, about this idea that the only laws that are valid and Blackstone drilled this into the minds of the American Founding Fathers, if you will. The only laws that are valid are laws that are predicated and based upon the divine law, and uh, which was established by the God of nature and nature's God. Uh, we reviewed that, remember, out of the first volume of, of Blackstone's commentaries? When the people choose to violate God's law, I believe we're ripening in iniquity to the point that the wrath of God will be justified. And, and it's not my call. It would have happened a long time ago had it been my call. I'm sorry to say I'm not in at one mind with God at this point. I, I get frustrated. I get very, very, very discouraged with what my posterity face because those that sit in power have refused to weigh and measure in the appropriate scale. And the scale has been changed. There's a finger on one end of the scale, and it's totally balanced against principle. We need more friends, Sam, and I, I hope, pray. Amen to that. that your program can I help do you have that. somewhat good news, though. Okay, let's hear it. I, I'm, I'm right. interested. Here's the deal. Ohio voters reject same-sex marriage pioneer Jim, I don't know how to say his last name, Ebergefell, uh, in a landslide. Gone. So that's uh, somewhat good news, folks. There are a few silver linings. I don't think Mike Lee's great. I think Mike Lee's very good, but I don't think he's great. I think there's a lot of things he doesn't understand, which concern me greatly. But I'm telling you right now, compared to this Evan McMullen CIA operative, hey, you know, uh, at least we held on to what we had, which ain't perfect, but it's a whole lot better than nothing. So there are a few silver linings. I don't think uh, Ron DeSantis is perfect, but I do believe he's more solid than even Trump. Um, there's something wrong with DeSantis or he wouldn't get, be getting the media coverage that he's getting, though. You know, and this is sad to say, but this is pretty factual. When they give somebody a lot of media coverage, um, it's because there's something that they know that you don't know. Uh, because if they were true constitutionalists, true, real uh, statesmen and women, they would not be getting uh, that kind of coverage. I can promise you that. But all I'm telling you is this good news, though. This uh, pro-same-sex marriage pioneer guy got absolutely deep-sixed. And I don't mean that in a, a physical way, folks. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying he got buried, which is really good, good, good news. 
Well, you look though. Very strange. Uh, Idaho. You look at Idaho. Landslide victory for for Little as a governor. Holy Hannah. Republicans. Woo woo. Republicans won. He's a Republican governor that has supported so many of the things that we've discussed on this program. Everything from mandates and and uh, foolishness that is undermining true liberty. But he got elected on landslide. Absolutely. Amen to that. Amen to that. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live in Sections. Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsizingsun.com, with me on your radio. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Today is Veterans Day for past and present military members. Thank you for your service. Former Georgia Representative Doug Collins on Fox News celebrates America's military personnel. It's just a reminder that as a brotherhood, a sisterhood, that we all work together. Tropical Storm Nicole weakened to a tropical depression Thursday night as it crossed the Florida Panhandle on its way to Georgia this morning. The storm had sent coastal Florida homes crumbling into the Atlantic Ocean earlier Thursday and threatened a row of high-rise condominiums in places where Hurricane Ian washed away the beach and destroyed seawalls only weeks ago. The storm is blamed for at least two deaths. As the midterm elections are still incomplete days later, causing many to scratch their heads why, The GOP is seeing a case of counting your chickens before they're hatched. Although it's still unknown which party will gain control of the House and Senate, the Republicans did not win as many seats as some had expected. Tennessee Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn tells Fox News she thinks Republicans should reach out to voters even more in the next election. The bigger our tent, the better it is at reaching out to voters, the Gen Zs, the seniors, making certain that everyone is hearing our message of freedom, uh, faith, family, freedom, hope, opportunity for all. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. A dive boat captain pled not guilty Thursday in federal court for a second time to manslaughter in the fiery deaths of 34 people trapped below his deck of his burning vessel three years ago off the Southern California coast. Captain Jerry Boylan of the Conception had his original case thrown out. The new trial is scheduled for December 20th in Los Angeles. USA Radio News. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for the needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free.
All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Dr. Scott Bradley on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. We have a lot of hard-hitting news. The networks refuse to use information. Uh, that's for sure. But we've got a guest now, a very interesting guest, a write-in candidate for Utah County Sheriff. His name is Hiram Cox, uh, and they say write-in Hiram Cox for Utah County Sheriff. Throughout his 16-year law enforcement career, uh, he's really uh, done a lot of good stuff, folks. We'll get into the details in a second. Uh, but Hiram Cox, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Thank you, Sam. It's good to be here. All right. Let's talk a little bit about your 16-year uh, law enforcement career for a second. Have you uh, served all of it uh, in Utah County? No. My first uh, about seven and a half years, I worked for Carvey County, which is a smaller agency to the uh, southeast of, of Utah County. Um, and down there, I worked in corrections for a for a while, and I ran their drug court programs, which are uh, a kind of a community-supervised drug rehabilitation program for uh, substance abuse users. All right, there you go. Uh, tell us about you as a person, then. Did you grow up in Utah? Yeah, I did. I, I grew up in Price, uh, which is in Carbon County. Um, I I didn't really plan on getting into law enforcement. It was kind of something that fell, fell into my lap, so to speak. I found myself at that point in life where I was going to school, and I kept changing my major from pre-med to engineering, and I just couldn't decide what I wanted to be when I grow, grew up. And a job came open at the local sheriff's office. And I thought, you know, the pay's not great, but they've got good benefits. And it uh, just seemed like a good good thing to do while I decided what I wanted to be. And I fell in love with the job at the police academy and wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world. Um, All I've right. Got, so you decided to really yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was, I was just. I've worked everything from jail to probation-type programs to patrol, specialty patrol. Um, now I'm a special investigator for the county attorney's office. All right. Now, you decided to run for Utah sheriff but ended up being a write-in candidate. How did that happen? So I, I went through the process with the Republican Party to be a, you know, kind of your regular candidate uh, with the, the convention process. Uh, we got about 33% of the vote at convention, um, but we kind of had a, uh, it was definitely an uphill battle uh, getting in the game a little late for the convention. We uh, decided to run and started campaigning just, just a few weeks before the process started. Um, but I just, I couldn't sit back and watch the way that the job that I fell in love with seemed like it was changing. And, and not in a good way. Change, change isn't always bad, but we can't forget our core principles that, that are supposed to guide our decisions. All right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. How did uh, the vote turn out for you then? Well, not, not very good. Um, Utah County is an interesting place. Most people walk in and they, they check the R box. And, and where I wasn't the official Republican candidate, that's... It, it didn't really have much of a chance, and I knew that going in. 
but I, I felt a moral obligation to give people a choice. Um, Amen to that. Do you do you work for Mike Smith then in the sheriff's department now? Uh, no, I I left a couple of months ago. Uh, but when I started this process and started running, yeah, I was I was working for Mike. I've worked for Utah County Sheriff. I did work for Utah County Sheriff's Office uh, for about nine years. All right, there you have it. I don't believe Mike uh, Smith is a constitutional sheriff at all. Uh, I've tried I, to work with him uh, on on a. Go ahead, say that again. I said I I do not feel that he's a constitutional sheriff either. And that really uh, is the problem. I don't think he's an evil person or a bad person per se, but I don't think he understands the fundamentals uh, of the Constitution and his role related thereto. Uh, not only the Constitution of the United States restricting government officials at the general level, uh, but the state Constitution, I don't think he understands either. I've got Dr. Scott Bradley with me. Uh, I don't know if you know who Dr. Scott Bradley is. He's a constitutional scholar. Uh, he runs a website called freedomsrisingsun.com, and on there he has his collegiate series, uh, an educational series uh, on DVD and a book set and uh, etc. cetera, uh, called To Preserve uh, the Nation. Uh, but Scott uh, is with me, and Dr. Bradley, do you want to uh, ask uh, Iram some questions relating to uh, the constitutionality? And, uh, you know, you get some inside scoop from the Sheriff's Department uh, from a constitutional perspective. Doctor? Well, you know, I, me, I'm just kind of a, uh, you know, I take things from a historical historical perspective in almost every instance, and I think we do need to understand where we came from in order to understand where we need to go. How we got where we are didn't happen just by happenstance, and it's it's because we've forgotten our roots. And so, I, you know, I when I look at the sheriff, I I go back, uh, you know, you go back to the Magna Carta, twelve twelve Magna Carta, twelve fifteen. Uh, King John had a sword put to his throat and said, hey, look, we we the people are saying, and it was the barons uh, that were kind of, it was a representative kind of thing then. The barons represented the people and said, look, we ain't going to put up with this no more, and we need to have uh, a better program. And, you know, you look, you look at the kind of mythological framework. A lot of people know about, you know, at least the story of Robin Hood and the sheriff of Notting, uh, Nottingham, the Shire, Shire, think of the hobbits and the Shire and how they lived and everything, their little communities, Shire Reef, and how the the uh, law enforcement people were not really law enforcement at that time. They were peacekeepers. They were officers that, that helped justice happen. And uh, they were elected by the people. They, they served uh, to kind of make sure that injustice didn't happen. And over time, it's been evolved, uh, you know, back, I, I, we started electing sheriffs, I think, in the United States back just after the pilgrims got here. They, the people wanted to have their local um, peacekeepers, if you will, that they knew, that they selected, and that, that they were, you know, of a character and nature that people could know and trust. Since the parties have been involved and then the legislature got involved, the, the sheriff's office has kind of lost its focus it's in so many ways the sheriff's office in many ways has become a kind of a uh, an arm of enforcement yes it's also become a prosecutor prosecutorial arm the founding fathers wanted something with justice and, and uh, that uh, in fact they biased the justice system in favor of the defense to make certain that an innocent person didn't get punished We've lost that, and the and the legislature's taking away uh, many of the things that sheriffs should be doing. So 
from an historical perspective, we've lost our way, and we need to have a sheriff come into office in the counties to re kind of reestablish what the original intent was for those people, and, and hopefully Hiram's message of trying to be a, I, I'm looking at his website right now, a constitutional guardian is something that we need to uh, we need to think about as we put people in there and not simply uh, an enforcement arm for some establishment perspective that's driven by party and the legislative agenda. You know, and uh, maybe I've talked way too much, Hiram. I'm sorry to take away your time on the air, but but I th I think the sheriff's office nowadays very often has lost its way, and and we need more constitutional perspectives in there. I agree. I I think there's so much this concept of what you can do in law enforcement. And and I think the question that needs to be asked much more frequently is what what not only what can we do, but what should we do? Um, because as soon as you start to say, well, I I think I can do this search or I think I can make this arrest or it's not my job to, you know, to determine this or to determine that lines start to get blurred and decisions get made that compromise people's rights. And you get, you get a very brief um, training experience in the police academy concerning the constitution and, and your legal studies section is only about two weeks. And that is supposed to cover everything you need to know legally to now go out and exercise an awesome authority that, that has a profound impact on people's lives. And one thing that I think we need to do is have a far more involved and intensive constitutional training section, not only at the academy, but an ongoing thing. Because if you're going to break these, these cultural barriers that have developed inside law enforcement of, of how you do things and your measurement of success being how many arrests and citations you make, we're not going to change anything. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hang tight. Quick break. Dr. Scott Bradley, a constitutionally-minded law enforcement officer on the radio. He wanted to become the sheriff. If we didn't have parties, he probably would have won. Partisan politics is disaster, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll talk more in seconds. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. 
Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Cox with us. His name is Hiram Cox. Are you related to Spencer Cox, the governor, Hiram? I, I am not. No relation. All right, Thank except for goodness. through Adam. <laughs> except through Adam. Thank goodness for that, too. I, I get it. I don't believe the governor is constitutional either, and that's a very big concern. Uh, yeah. I want to kind of talk about where we go from here a little bit, uh, Hiram. Y- you know, uh, we've got um, what now? Our current Mike Smith sheriff for what? Four more years or two years or what? Four more years, yeah. Four more long years, ladies and gentlemen. We the people have failed our community. Dr. Bradley. Well, <laughs> I—that's the problem, and 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 uh, Hiram hit on it. People walk in the voting booth and punch the R and walk out. They have no clue whatsoever. I mean, it's like I talk to people all the time. Mitt Romney deceived me. No, the, you didn't. He—he he didn't do that. You punched R and walked out. You never did any research. You never thought about it. You didn't do anything that would have helped us preserve proper government. And so there needs to be an ongoing educational process. And, of course, we're involved in that quite regularly and uh, kind of unequivocally and unendingly. But, but, you know, you stop and think about these things. Most Americans don't have a clue. Let me just talk for just a, ser- a, a moment about the sheriff. Two things, maybe, and I, I'd like to maybe uh, if Mr. Cox thinks about these things and they mean something to him, maybe over time he'll – He'll join the effort to get people educated. But uh, first of all, Mac Prince ruling back in 1997. Our friend Sheriff Mac started a log rolling against the Clinton administration when the uh, Brady Bunch got this idea. They wanted the sheriffs to do something for the federal government. And the Supreme Court said, no, not only no, but heck no. This is not the way the federal system works. The guys at the federal level have limits and bounds. They can't direct the local police officers or anybody. They, they can't direct anybody to do this. But, they, but uh, there was a pushback. But this was monumental. This was, this was something that has a broad application across a whole spectrum of things. But police agencies today, including sheriff's departments, have been bought off in many instances with, with federal largesse. Grants come into them. Oh, we look to them for our body armor or new cars or our firearms, whatever. And, and yeah. pretty soon we have sold ourselves out. We've... we've accepted the noose around our neck and the other thing is civil asset forfeiture and i just throwing these things out that could be discussed each one 
for an hour would not even scratch the surface. But civil asset forfeiture has become such an egregious violation of due process and the idea of the rights of private property. Sheriffs can be involved in these things and prevent them from happening. Civil asset forfeiture, forfeiture by the way, is that like your property can cr commit a crime. Your property can be f uh, forfeited and the agency that takes it gets a profit from that. You know, Sheriff of Nottingham stuff. And, yeah. and not the people only, are just, they got to be saved. Yeah. And I was just going to say, not only can the sheriff be involved, the sheriff has a constitutional obligation to be involved. If the sheriff comes in and takes the property without due process, not the sheriff's wrong. And the sheriff needs to say, no, I stand with the people and, and the due process and constitutional limits and bounds. And if that kind of stuff starts to happen in a county, the sheriff needs to intervene on behalf of those people that are being egregiously violated. And you're right. The sheriff should be involved, but all too often they're on the wrong side. <laughs> that is a tragic well, story. Talked about some federal powers. And, you know, something I thought about this morning in preparation for this is we're supposed to have a clear, distinct separation of powers. And what I've seen more and more and more, and I, I feel like it's snowballing out of control, is this idea of of co-opting or sharing of powers between these different branches and arms and levels of government. And that, that's a terrifying concept because they become interwoven and interdependent on each other. And and they no longer have that autonomy to to fulfill their oath. You're you're right on. You said terrifying. People should be terrified because, as has been said, government is not eloquence, it's not reason, it is force. And like fire, it's a dangerous servant and a fearful master. And there always needs to be pushback. The 47th Federalist Paper, Madison expressed the idea that everybody in their office has to guard the integrity of that office from other encroachments by other offices. And when the federal agencies encroach and they buy their way in. I mean, they we got a little community just north of us that the, a little dinky cowboy town that got an MRAP. I mean, this is a mine resistant, ambush protected, 60 ton tank like vehicle. And I'm saying, holy cow, some cowboy comes into town, gets a little excited in his celebration of payday. When do they need an MRAP? But see, federal agencies buy allegiance with those kind of things. And uh, they buy allegiance through civil asset forfeiture because they say, hey, we, we take this property, whatever it is, money or, or a vehicle or whatever, and, and it goes into our budget. What a cool thing, man. We can do that. And My and headline this, for this, my headline for this says this. We discuss the criminal nature of asset forfeiture. Have you had conversations uh, with Mike Smith about uh, some of these topics, um, Hiram? Uh, you know, Mike Mike came into office four years ago. I, I didn't know him very well before he came into office. Um, I, I knew him um, a little bit through my time on the SWAT team. Um, but there's there, were, there wasn't a very good opportunity for open dialogue. Um, the, the back and forth that we started having uh, was just in the, the few months preceding uh, my decision to run for office. And uh, as you can imagine, those those conversations became less and less pleasant, uh, especially considering he was my boss at the time. Um, and, you know, it 
there there's kind of this cultural thing in law enforcement about what what the job is and what success is and when people are starting to conduct searches or seize property or or make arrests and they have this concept in their mind that if i want to be successful or if i want to promote or if i want to be valued by my peers then i i need to have good numbers i i need to have good statistics because that's how they're going to measure my success and I've had conversations like this with, with a lot of people in the sheriff's office, and, and some people agree with me and some people don't. But as, as soon as you make a, take a law enforcement action for the sake of a statistic, I, I feel that not only is that not ethical or moral, I, I think it's illegal. And people need to, to respect how profound of an impact their actions have and when you're conducting a, a search after a traffic stop, I mean, should you even be conducting that traffic or that search? Should you have even made that traffic stop? But these aren't the questions that are being asked, and that's not the focus of any of the training. They're, we're not talking about what should we be doing. We're talking about what can we do? What can we get away with? How far can we take it? And with this concept that we're only restrained by the lawsuits that are brought against us, well, not everybody has the resources or knowledge to even bring a lawsuit when there's a violation. And I think that's where we can do better as a as an office. The the concept of the sheriff is is as you guys know, it's older than our country. Amen. The idea of an elected public safety servant is now so asset profoundly forfeiture important. is alive and well in Utah County, isn't it? It's all over Utah. Oh oh absolutely. And what needs to be done is we need to arrest the criminals who are engaging in it. But they've managed to literally create little kingdoms uh, where they just amass tremendous wealth and then use it against the citizens, Dr. Bradley. Well, uh, and, you know, Hiram brings up a point. You know, he he says, should I not? He wasn't saying himself. (laughs) I I hope he is any um, time they had a traffic stop. It was done with, you know, the, the right reasons and everything. But but I've heard officers talk about you know what you've got, you really have to be able to say I pulled them over for this reason, and and the officers have said you can always find after the fact a reason you pulled them over, a cracked tail light or some foolish absurd reason like that. Oh the tread wasn't very good on their tires. Huh, yeah you could tell that at 35 miles an hour when they went past you right. I mean these kinds of things where you kind of back into an authorization to take an action is where we're really losing a lot of things. Uh, where the the, uh, the the sheriff and the deputies and, and indeed everybody, whether they're on a, a local police agency or what, they should be understanding, our prosecutors should understand that, uh, that they have limits and bounds and that they don't have to, uh, well, the system has become so corrupt that it seems like they do have to be able to justify actions, and those actions, those justifications, oftentimes, are are brought to the forefront after the fact. People need to understand that that is not the way it's supposed to be done. And, Amen to uh, that. So I I hope Hiram, I don't know, in your current assignment, maybe you're going to continue to be a special investigator or something for the county attorney. There's there's some challenges there in that office too that I we could talk about at some length. But the fact of the matter yeah. is, you guys, 
you know, they say the, the thin red line. I lived in, in L.A. for a number of years. And in the old days, they had on the side of their car to protect and serve. Uh, nowadays, it's become more of a uh, an iron fist, even if it's in a silk glove. Uh, Amen to that. Sadly, we're about out of time. Uh, Hiram Cox, do you have a final comment? You, you know, I'd, I'd just like to say this. Too often, people are willing to just concede to the trials and they face or the injustice they find and convince themselves it's out of their control. The fact is that elusive control has been relinquished by the masses through ignorance and acquiescence. We need to educate ourselves and others on what is really happening in our community and what is truly at stake. Citizenship is an active process, not a passive one. Get involved and ask questions. Our constitutional republic is a fragile construct supported by the blood, sweat, and tears of patriotic men and women who serve to defend it at every level. Tyranny must be met with resistance always. Thank you for having me on. Amen to that. I got good news for the final uh, piece here, you guys. Turns out that a Texas federal judge now blocked uh, Joe Biden's, quote, handout, uh, his Biden student loan forgiveness program. He blocked it on Thursday, shut it down, and called it an unconstitutional exercise of Congress's legislative power. Excellent news. Amen. What do you think of that, Dr. Bradley? Well, I mean, anybody with more than a half a brain could have understood that right from the very beginning. Biden way overstepped his bounds. There is no constitutional authority for him to take the action he did. He stretched as far as he could to say, I'm using this justification that was used to put off student loans when somebody went in the military around the time of 9-11. There was no forgiveness. Where where can people learn more about you, Mr. Cox? Uh, HiramFox.com is my website, or you can find me on Facebook. Marvelous, sir. Keep in touch. We'll have you back. I am the Vice President of Operations for Sheriff Richard Mack, uh, and we do a lot together. Uh, And uh, we uh, Are you going to the Red Pill Expo uh, this weekend? You might want to look into that, too. The uh, RedPillExpo.com. All right, call me. We'll talk about that later, sir. We'll be there as well. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Hiram Cox, we do have good people trying to make a difference. We've just got to support them, folks. Dr. Scott Bradley and I, hour one of the can, hour two coming up. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the 11th in the year of our Lord 2022. This is our two at two. Promoting God, family, and country, protecting life, liberty, and property, doing so in the traditions of our founders, using the supreme law of the land, the blueprint for liberty, the Constitution, the checks and balances, rejecting revolution, standing for restoration. That is the key to the exercise on Liberty Roundtable Live, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, we got Dr. Scott Bradley continuing with us both hours. FreedomsRisingSun.com. Welcome back, Doctor. 
Thank you very much. Uh, glad to be here. We also have Kelly Finnegan representing RussQuinnandGift.com. Over the last 50 years, RussQuinnandGift.com has been helping folks understand and obtain precious metal. Welcome back, Kelly. Thank you very much, Sam. All right. There's so much to talk about, so little time. Let's get right on it with the Honest Money Report. Where's gold sitting right now, sir? Okay. Let me look. I've got several things going on right now. Um, gold. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Can you give me just a second and I'll get it Yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, gold well, silver. While he's doing that, let me, yes, let me just ask a question that might maybe set the frame. I have just been absolutely baffled, astonished. It's such an enigma to me with the disastrous situation the current economy is in, with everything the Federal Reserve's doing, everything with inflation that's going on, everything that's happened in the last 31 months with the uh, des- you know destruction of the economy. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And you know me, Sam, I o- often do go on and on and on. But the fact of the matter is the precious metals market has, has, has not taken a real bump upwards because of this. I mean, it's... Everything no, and it won't indicate, because of the paper play. Well, that's the thing. I'd love to talk with people uh, that they're in the know because the precious right, metals you want to talk are to Kelly, lethargic. Kelly Finnegan, then, sir. Well, that's right. Okay. Now, I'm glad he's and on I've the got, air and I would get a chance to. And I got All right, go ahead. I, gold. Okay, so gold's at uh, 1765.50. So it's up, it's showing just from yesterday a half a percent. Um Silver's at twenty one sixty two, so it's up. It was just nineteen dollars and some change a couple of weeks ago, so it has gone up, but it's down a little bit today. All right, let Latin. me make, let me make sure people get this. Then hold on, gold is at seventeen hundred and sixty five dollars and fifty cents. Silver twenty one sixty two right now, so it's up right. quite a bit from last week or the week before when we talked as well. Go ahead, Kelly. Right. Yep. Uh, platinum. 1041 and then your rhodium is at 1445 Yeah, so the bottom line is if they don't have to take possession of the metals, this paper play game that they're able to to perpetuate in these dishonest fiat currencies that are everywhere have really manipulated everything to the point where, look, they can play games and manipulate the price of uh, real money, making you believe that those commodities don't really matter much and that they don't really... produce real wealth and all that kind of stuff. The plunge protection team, the paper game, all it would take to call a halt to the con game is people to take delivery of their metal, and it would be over in one second, Dr. Bradley. Well, and that's, what, that's what's happening right now in the, uh, the uh, cryptocurrency, the FTX, which was the second largest exchange. They had a, a bank run, and uh, they tried to get some help. Uh, they were $94 billion short, and now they're filing for bankruptcy. So... Uh, Bitcoin's down below 16000 right now. So it's really taking a digger. So people are starting to wake up, you know, and uh, it's just, it's just, you know, silver and gold have been holding their own. They've been doing what they're supposed to do. If you, I, I always price precious metals in commodities. I never price it against the U.S. dollar or anything else because that's a thing they can make as many of those as they want. But you can't, you can't get more gallons of gasoline. So well, see that, uh, I, I've always had the same impression. And if you wanted, I mean, I've got dozens of founding fathers quotes about this, about the paper losing, uh, you know, it, it just 
all its value in your hand. You've got it there, and boom, gone. And, and you need that intrinsic value stuff. But these people that are encouraging people to say, oh, I've got it in a bank, or I've got it in some holding company, or I've got a piece of paper somewhere that uh, is, is held by a, a company, there's there's no value there. There's no proof. and one there's day no... and one day you'll wish you hadn't, Doctor Bradley. Uh, you're absolutely right. But the founding fathers understood this, and and this intrinsic value stuff. I mean, I don't know what it costs right now to print a hundred dollar bill with all the security stuff they put on it, but it used to be about two and a half cents. And if if the bad guys, the Federal Reserve, could print eighteen hundred of those. Um, uh, uh, just 18 of them, excuse me, 18 $100 bills at two and a half cents each, they could buy an ounce of real money, gold. And, and so you see how they control things. The Federal Reserve ahead, is a private company. Private, Federal Reserve is a private company. And I remember Alex Jones had a bunch of people at the Dallas Federal Reserve, and they wanted to go in, and the security guard said, you can't go in here. I'm telling you right now, house. Kelly, we're going to go ahead and check out Fort Knox. We're going to be behind the <laughs> scenes and look into it. I'm telling you right now, we're going to make sure there's gold over there, right? But, like but he just said, we want to go in, and the security guard said, you can't come in here. This is a private company. And he said, can uh-huh. you say that louder so everyone can hear that? This is not federal, and it's not a reserve. You know, and so it was proof right there. See, this is a private company, and the U.S. government pays them to print currency. They're the, they're the biggest holder of U.S. debt. Not China, not Japan, the Federal Reserve. So literally, big business owns the United States. Well, and it now Alex does. Jones paying the price for this. I don't know if you know, but they've attacked Alex Jones to the point of ridiculous over the Sandy Hook thing. Uh, were uh, Alex's statements a little unwise? I think so, but not to the level of this abuse. Now Al- Infowars, Infowars host Alex Jones and his company were ordered by a judge on Thursday, so just yesterday, to pay an extra $473 million for promoting false, quote, conspiracy theories about the Sandy Hook school massacre, bringing the total judgment against Alex Jones and his companies. Uh, in these lawsuits filed by these victims' families, to a staggering $1.4 billion. Now they're saying he owes $1.4 billion. He can't come up with that kind of money, ladies and gentlemen. It's an absolute joke, but what it's really doing is sending a message to the community. Don't you dare try to audit the Federal Reserve. Don't you dare try to stand up uh, and have your own opinion and use free speech. And don't you dare uh, grow your company um, outside of, quote, the mainstream. Stream matrix. Dr. Bradley, that's really what it's about. And if we really had constitutional currency, they couldn't find him near that kind of money. <laughs> well, the judges are criminals in their own right with, uh, with such a thing. The First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Third Amendment, the Fourth Well, no, the Third Amendment, not quite yet, but I can address that later if you want. Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, you go through the whole process. We have set them aside. But let's go back to the money for a second. Kelly's here, and I I'd like to figure out why gold and silver are so lethargic in comparison to the disasters that are happening with the fake money. Here's a Jefferson quote. I know I told you I got so many I could never get through them. Here's just one. Specie, that's that's intrinsic value, precious metals, okay? Specie is the most perfect medium because it will preserve its own level because having intrinsic and universal value, it can never die in our hands. 
and it is the surest resource of reliance in time of war. The trifling economy of paper as a cheap medium or its convenience for transmission weighs nothing in opposition to the advantages of precious metals. Paper money is liable to be abused, has been, and forever will be abused in every country in which it is permitted. There, ladies and gentlemen, is the definition of the American economy run by a private consortium of money mongers that run our economy for their own profit. And uh, I just, uh, I, I'm uh, figuring that someday there's going to be uh, a recognition of that and the gold and silver that's held in people's hands, not in somebody else's vault, for crying out loud, or somebody else's top drawer or never, anywhere. They just don't have it. You've got to take possession. And that's where I think there's at least some measure of security. But I just don't know why it's so lumping well, along. I, I don't understand I it. I can tell you Amen why. That. Hey, Cameron, so skip the break. Uh, Kelly, go <laughs> ahead, sir. Well, I can tell you why it's so low, because there's maybe one in a thousand people that understand that. Um, I, I just talked to a lady the other day. She was surprised gold was as much as it was. Americans have no idea. It's like, well, why do you go to a jewelry store and buy a wedding ring and pay so much money? You know, yeah. it's, it's because of the gold. It's, it's, people in Europe understand that, or at least they used to, uh, that gold had value, and that's why they kept it and put it away. And in India, they understand the value. But in the United States, they, they, don't, they don't get it. And, and as long as they can keep that game going with them, you know, they're, they're ignorant is the problem. They don't want to know. They don't care. Everything's great. You know, I've got my cable TV and I've got, you know, Little Caesars Pizza or McDonald's and I'm great. Everything's fine. So they, they don't get it. There's a few people waking up. But as long as they can keep people in the dark and string them along, that this dollar is just as good as anything else. And that's well, why. you know, there's, a, there's some big movements around the world to go to a basket of currencies instead of the, the U.S. dollar as the go-to currency for the world. I mean, China is making some big inroads. Uh, Saudi Arabia is considering dropping the petrodollar. When that happens, and there isn't that facade of some intrinsic value associated with the dollar, we're going to see what they've done to us over the last hundred years in such a way it will be absolutely devastating to both most people. The other thing, Kelly, to, yeah. go ahead. I, I want to well, ask you about some spread. All they're trying to do is get people to exchange one fiat currency for another. You know, you talk yeah. about this basket of currencies. They're all just based on, you know, smoke and mirrors. There's, there's nothing sure. behind them. China and Russia are trying to do a gold-backed thing, which is great. You know, the U.S. dollar, we, we, the rest of the world has lived off of the U.S.'s indulgences. You know, we, we make everybody else carry our debt. And Charles de Gaulle was the first one to wake up to that. And he was the one that caused them to rush and get exchange dollars for gold and made Nixon shut down the window. It was Charles de Gaulle yeah. that did it. Well, you know, Kelly, uh, in, initially in the United States, you know, the 1792 Coinage Act, there was like a 15 to 1 spread, silver to gold, in the about 1830s or probably went to 20 to 1. I haven't done the math today on, on what gold versus silver is. It's probably 70 or 80 to 1 now. I mean, you could probably That's do the right. math right if I wanted to. Someday, it seems to me, there's more headspace right now 
in silver than there is in gold. Now, gold should be much higher than it is because of all the factors we've kind of been bantering about here. But silver is spread so far from gold that its historic value in comparison to gold is way behind. And it seems to me silver has a higher head value that, let's say, when they do start to, t to reach their natural float, which is not allowed now because of the uh, the way the shenanigans are being worked, but I would th it would seem to me that silver has a lot more opportunity to to go higher uh, faster than gold. And maybe maybe your my assessment's wrong, and I'm just uh, a neophyte that doesn't understand anything. So kind of enlighten us, if you would. I always tell people, you know, whether they want gold or silver, I said, do you like the roller coaster or the merry-go-round? Because <laughs> um, gold's a merry-go-round. Gold merry it doesn't really move a lot. Silver does big swings. And it's much easier for something to go from $1 to $2 than something to go from $100 to $200. Yeah. So that's where silver has that advantage, that it can really go up. But it can also go way down. And, and people don't get out of it when they should or exchange it for something else. They think it's going to keep going up. And it doesn't. Everything's on a sign curve. But uh, so that gold's more of a stable thing, and it's more internationally accepted. In the U.S. and the rest of the world looks at silver as kind of a token coinage and industrial thing. It's bigger here in the U.S. than anywhere else. But uh, so that's the difference between them. They're, they're both scarce. One oxidizes and the other one doesn't. And that's another thing that's there. But, yeah, as far as scarcity that 16 to 1 might actually be. I think that's probably about right. So if I'm silver even... reached a 16 to 1 ratio with gold, silver would be way up from what it is. Uh, oh, yeah. well, it's right, now, right now it's around 81, just close, just over 80, yeah. around 81 times. Yeah, and it, it, it hit the 16 to 1 in 1980 when silver went up to yeah. $50 and gold went to 850 it, it hit right on about the 16 to 1. So, it's, so that was a market-driven outcome. That that's probably right, where we ought to but measure that was it. A, yeah, but it was where it was, you know, had been set for you know hundreds of years. So in well, fact, divide... there was a time silver was very rare until they discovered it in in the Americas. You know, there was a time in Europe it was eight to one. See, the the, the thing is, and, and all of these things, I think people need to get smarter on, absolutely for sure. But um, the by dollar, the way, it'd be hundred and ten dollars if it was sixteen to one right now. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, just that's, so you know, that's what I'm. It'd be hundred and ten bucks for an ounce of silver. And I really want to stress this so people understand. You know, you used to have a twenty dollar gold piece. That was when an ounce of silver was worth was worth a dollar. Uh, and so it used to be twenty to one was kind of a standard. Fifteen to twenty to one was the, the historical relationship that everybody kind of thought made sense based on. Um, you know, standard ratios and, and weights and measures and everything. That's the way it used to be. Now it's completely run amok because of the paper plate, because silver is used in so many modern technology twists, etc. Uh, there's a lot of factors to this. But the fact is, um, it's amazing how gold and silver remain stubbornly um, rele relevant regardless, Dr. Bradley. Well, that's absolutely true. And it is interesting, the 1792 Coinage Act defined a dollar in terms of silver. 371 and a quarter grains. And by the way, the grains were originally barley grains. So it has a food-based kind of thing. I mean, all these historical things. You know, in my mind, Sam, I know I'm a weird and strange individual. But, uh, <clears throat> but all of these things have a sound foundation. 
and the U.S. dollar still is defined in terms of silver. And, uh, and so there, there is some sound foundation here. If the people would just understand it and quit being so gullible and so foolish as to understand how the system has been manipulated by private banking consortium for profit for themselves to absolutely control our economy. And we've got a uh, Kelly and, and the Rust group, uh, I think that they have some sound things that people ought to sit and talk with them about because it's so rarely even discussed. You go to school nowadays, are you going to hear this? Not at all. You won't hear it at all. I mean, <laughs> school is not a place of higher learning. It's a place of indoctrination. So I did talk to school. some kids from a charter school, and we were talking about the Wizard of Oz and how it, it was talking about the election of 1896 and the, you know, the gold and silver. And they understood that, that it was about that. You know, it's a gold road, and she was wearing silver slippers, and, you know, that the Tin Man was the industrial part, and the Scarecrow were the, you know, the farmers and things. And they understood all of that. And the, they, I'm like, wow, they teach that at your school. And they said, yeah, we're just, we just got done studying that. And then they came over to a mint I was working at, but. To put this in perspective, during World War II, of the top 10 most desired commodities, where do you think gold was on that list? Top. What's that? The top. It wasn't even on the list because gold was the tool that you could get cigarettes or gasoline or nylons or chocolate. But gold was the tool. People didn't want gold. They, they wanted what gold would get them. So that's so what it was gold a commodity space. It's not the object, it's the tool. Right. And that's you exchange, what we need to think of it as. Intrinsic, you exchange intrinsic value for intrinsic value. And, right. Uh, and gold, uh, gold doesn't rot. <laughs> right. Well, and everybody always says you can use anything else as a commodity. You could use grain. You could use gas. You could use alcohol. You could use this. You could use that. And I don't agree. And the reason that I don't agree is because the special relationship between gold and silver, uh, it can last the test of time. It doesn't rot, as Kelly wisely pointed out. Uh, It has intrinsic value. Everybody knows its value worldwide. Uh, It's had value for literally since uh, mortality began, since Adam and Eve. Uh, but most importantly, it's got this portability aspect. You know what? If you had a big old, you know, thousand pounds of grain, that's not very portable, whereas a piece of gold and a piece of silver are. So it's got all those intrinsic value factors related to it, like nothing else, Kelly. Yeah, and, and I did this with my wife and I do it with everybody else. Is I'll put an ounce of gold in their hand and the color and their eyes just get big and they, it's like a light went off. They understand this is valuable. And, and, and I, I'll just ask them, have you ever held an ounce of gold? Have you ever held a $20 gold piece? No. And you put it in their hand, and, and it's like they understand this is valuable. This was made, you know, this was made for us to use as money. It's rare. It's hard to get to. It increases about with the population. All the gold that's really ever been mined, we can still get to it. It doesn't go away. Silver gets used up a little bit, but gold doesn't. It, it was made to be money. It was made for us to use. It has really no other purpose than that. You know, Kelly, you talk hold, about. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, but once they hold it, they, it's, you know, uh, uh, Dan Fogelberg had the song called The Power of Gold. And it really is. Once they hold it, they understand the power of gold. 
you know, it's interesting. Uh, substantive is what you might describe it. You know, and I, I've got to tell you, when uh, I, <clears throat> my my wedding ring is priceless to me, and uh, my wife, you know, got it for me uh, when we got married, and it's uh, you just can't put a value on it. It is gold, but um, when I, uh, I ended up getting sick, and and my, it's a long story, but I ended up on our 48th wedding anniversary. We went out and got me a new wedding ring, and this has nothing to do with a big, you know, you know, gold coin kind of thing. But we were looking at them, and I, when I got the one that felt substantive in my hand, I said to my wife, "This is the one. This has this has something to it," and uh, that's kind of the way this intrinsic value, uh, precious metal has. You hold it in your hand, you find it substantive, and it's not something you take lightly. You know, and that's what I wanted in my new writing ring. It's a long story, but I, I bring it up to talk about that. That struck me when you said that. When it fits in your, when you feel it in your hand, yeah, this, this right, has here's the, something to it. Here's the contrast, and I want Kelly to stay on a little longer after the break if he can, because this is such an important discussion. But I don't know if you know, but, uh, you know, everybody I'm tells me that this Bitcoin, this uh, digital currency stuff is all good. We got to have it. The United States government moving towards a digital currency. It's the wave of the future. And, ladies and gentlemen, it is the biggest scandal since the Federal Reserve began 100 years ago. It's the next level of tyranny where they'll tie your whole life and your whole financial world to a digital currency. And then they'll tie that to a government-controlled, communistic-style credit score. And you and I won't fare very well at all. Or we better shut up. That's how it is. But here's the deal. The Department of Justice, they claim now recovers stolen Bitcoin, once valued at $3.36 billion. So somebody stole $3.36 billion of Bitcoin. It was stolen, by the way, from the dark web marketplace Silk Road in 2012. Well, the government for over the last 10 years has been working on recovering it, don't you know? And it's now only worth about a billion dollars. So it's lost two-thirds of its value since 2012 and they found it in this guy's house and he had it stored on hard drives and thumb drives and all this stuff he had it stored in like a coffee can or this or that or anyway and they finally busted him and got it and they recovered it and now it's all just awesome the only problem is it's lost two-thirds of its value since 2012 ladies and gentlemen Scott, what do you think of that first? And then we'll get the break none, and then Kelly can respond as well. This is insanity, folks. Absolute insanity. Well, we create our own uh, paradigm, if you will, as a people. And people believe what they want to believe. But um, when the f chips finally come down or the, whatever hits the fan or whatever, <clears throat> I think we'll find that intrinsic value stuff still has higher value and you can, if you can trade it for food, you can trade it for warmth and shelter, I think you'll be a lot better off. All right, we're going to take a quick pause. Sam Bushman, Dr. Scott Bradley, and Kelly Finnegan. We shall continue in seconds on your radio. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
USA Radio News with Lance Pride. As America continues to wait and wonder why some states can't get their elections in order, Nevada and Arizona continue to struggle with the process that Florida got done in one day. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton on Fox News expresses his dissatisfaction on Friday. Well, it's mystifying. The people of Arizona and Nevada deserve a lot better than the electoral system the politicians in those states have delivered to them. In fact, our nation deserves better when you have the fate of power in Congress hanging in the balance. A large section of the destroyed space shuttle Challenger has been found buried in the sand at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. More than three decades after the failed launch killed a schoolteacher and six others. It's one of the biggest pieces of Challenger found in decades since the accident and since two fragments from the left wing washed ashore in 1996. Alex Jones and his company were ordered Thursday to pay an additional $473 million in punitive damages to families of the victims of the Sandy Hook school shooting. Thursday's order imposed by Connecticut Judge Barbara Bellis is in addition to the nearly $1 billion jurors demanded from him last month. A man convicted of strangling his mother and burying her body in the yard nearly 20 years ago was executed in Huntsville, Texas, Wednesday. 61-year-old Tracy Beatty uttered, See you on the other side before he received a lethal injection. FTX Cryptocurrencies Exchange filed for bankruptcy and announced the resignation of its CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, on Friday. The billionaire, seen as one of the cryptocurrency sector's most prominent figures, filed Chapter 11 in a Delaware federal court. For more information, be sure to visit us online at usaradio.com. We are USA Radio News. Paid for by government.com. The 1878 to 1921 Morgan Silver Dollar, a true American classic and one of the most iconic silver dollar coins in history. It's been 100 years since the last Morgan Silver Dollar coin was struck for circulation. And now, for a limited time only, full pound bags of original U.S. government struck Morgan Dollars are being released to the public. That's right. You can own a full pound of 1878 to 1921 classic American Morgan Silver Dollar coins, all in very good collector condition with fully visible dates and mint marks. Guarantee. Call 1-800-473-1745 now to secure collector-grade U.S. Morgan Silver Dollars by the pound, struck during the Wild West and the Gilded Age. Plus, receive a bonus American Collector's Pack, valued at over $25, free with every order. Call 1-800-473-1745 now to secure your full pound bag of Morgan Silver Dollar coins before they are gone. 1-800-473-1745. That's 1-800-473-1745. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Kelly Finnegan, RustQuinnigan.com, Dr. Scott Bradley, FreedomsRisingSun.com. So I mentioned that the DOJ recovered the stolen Bitcoin. It was stolen in 2012 on the dark web. Ten years later, your government gets it back, but it was worth $3.63 billion when it started. Now it's only worth a billion, so it's lost two-thirds in ten years. And by the way, you really got to ask yourself some questions. The government recovered it. They found it. How do they get the password to it? Did the guy just give up the password or what? This is very strange indeed, and this just proves, folks, this is a, a big concern. I've told you they've had a backdoor to this forever, and I maintain my position. Kelly? Yeah, I mean, if I if you look at the government like a casino, they're going to make the rules to their advantage. So they're going to push you into something that makes it better for the house. 
And so if they want everybody to go crypto, there's a reason for that. It isn't for our good. It's for their good because they've screwed up the fiat paper, you know, they, and, and they, they couldn't keep doing it with the other. And so this whole deal where they can, you know, stuff lost or, you know, everybody thinks that it's, uh, you know, it's off, uh, off the grid. Like if I have Bitcoin, nobody knows what I'm doing with it. Oh yeah, they do. There's a record of it. You know, isn't that the thing that you want is the, the, the blockchain and everything. So they know where it is and they know who, if somebody still something, they know who has it. And so this is a, a joke that they make it sound like they did something, but no, it, it, it's all in their advantage, and that's what they're playing. You know, all right, I got, I got an interesting email, Scott, and this is uh, re- directly related to this. Uh, it's from a group called Stocks Journal. Uh, and Stocks Journal um, says this, the subject, gold is about to soar. Here's what to do. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. They're kind of into the paper plate scenario. Uh, but number one, Kelly and Dr. Bradley, Kelly first, do you think gold's going to soar? Uh, and number two, what do you do? They've got their ideas. We've got ours is the point, Kelly. Well, it's, uh, you know, when Groucho Marx lost everything in the Depression because he was buying stocks, and people don't realize he went broke. But he said, you know, when the shoe, shoe, shoe shine guy kids starts giving you uh, stock tips, it's time to get out. And when everybody on the radio and that's starting to tell you to start buying gold and get your IRA, there's a reason for that. You know, they're, they want to make some money. Will it go up? Yes. Could it go down? Yes. But the reason you buy it isn't to get rich. It's, a, it's an insurance policy. And it's the only insurance policy I know of that if you don't use it, you still have your premiums. But whenever so you hear soar, whenever you hear tank, whenever you hear all these words that are just extreme volatility, folks, you got to understand there's a con game going on every run away. time. Yeah, run away. Dr. Bradley? Well, your your wisdom on this is, is uh, extremely important. I, you know, if it becomes something that is just the talk of the town, if you will, you're already so far behind the curve, you don't know what to do. So what I normally tell people to do is, as and Kelly had a good uh, a point, it's an insurance policy. You're doing it for the long term. You know that uh, it's it's not going to die in your hands, as Jefferson said. And you know that, uh, you know, if you're watching it day to day, now somebody in Kelly's business probably has to watch moment by moment where the silver is because you've got to put your premium on it when you sell it and everything or when you buy it. But from my perspective, you do what you can with what you've got. You don't mortgage the farm to go do this or that or the other. But, but you, you go with a steady pace, making wise and considered and discerning decisions. And, uh, and that's the best you can do in mortality. You know, we're all in this together. Nobody gets out alive. I mean, that's kind of the program. I told that to a military major that told me I was going to die. Uh, shortly, but uh, I told him, no, we're all in this together, and uh, the program is nobody gets out alive. But if you do the best you can, use your wisdom, your God-given wisdom, and uh, and and take possession. If you're going <laughs> for crying out loud, it, you don't buy a car and let it sit on the lot, hoping that somebody else is going to come by and later give you more for it. Y- y- you've got possession of the car. You take possession of your home. Take possession of your asset, whatever it is. 
and and recognize where it fits in the program you're trying to do yourself. And I think you let all of these pundits go by the wayside. They're kind of like the political pundits that have predicted a red wave. They don't know what they're talking about. They have no clue. And, and Elon Musk is no different. Here's the headlines from Elon Musk. Ready? Musk said remote working is over at Twitter. Work from home forever policy has been axed. Well, I don't know what he's thinking, but you know what? He's so out of step with society today. Most people are going to bail from Twitter. Anybody with any talent uh, isn't going to tolerate that. Work from home is the order of the day. Where's the environmentalists to back work from home? But Elon Musk is a nutcase. He wants to control everybody. Now, listen, he had a meeting yesterday with all of his staff after he let go 50% of them. And here's what he said to the rest. Ready? Yeah, Musk paints dire picture. In a meeting on Thursday, Mr. Musk warned employees that Twitter did not have the necessary cash to survive. So you just bought something for $44 billion, and you don't even know if it has the cash to survive? Now it gets worse. Then he said, Twitter's running a negative cash flow of several billion dollars. He forgot to mention that's annually. So now you're running a a cash flow negative of several billion dollars annually? Well, then Musk even mentions a possibility of bankruptcy for Twitter. So let me get this right. He buys this company for $44 billion. He's had it for two weeks. He's already talking about bankruptcy. Kelly, this is the kind of psychosis we're talking about. This is whacked out. Now, most likely, Elon Musk is wise enough to plan something. He's probably got his finger in the government somehow. Everything he's done to get rich has used the taxpayers' backs for his wealth. And so he's probably got some plan for a big bailout. Twitter might be too big to fail, or I don't know what his plans are, but he's already literally talking about bankruptcy. And then he gets rid of the best talent by saying you can't work from home. I mean, the guy's a nutcase. He's off his rock, Kelly. Most most geniuses are nutcases. They're really good at one thing. But, you know, I think this is why he was trying to get out of it so badly, because he realized that the offer he made, it wasn't worth that. Um, but, you know, Amazon had a their, their price to earnings ratio was a blank line for, you know, more than 10 years because they weren't making any profit. You can't divide by zero. So, you know, and if, if he uses the bankruptcy laws, he might be able to pull it into some kind of a partial bankruptcy where half the debtors are, are forgiven and or whatever and da, 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 you let go. And you know, he might have some plan to go ahead and just uh, trim the price tag by force. Kelly. Yeah, he's, he's got he's got a plan. You know, he, he, he thinks, you know, three or four steps ahead of everybody else. But, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's how you have to do stuff like that. But uh, to think that he was doing this just out of the goodness of his heart. No, he's, uh, he's an entrepreneur. He wants to make some money. So we'll see what happens with this. But it's sure, it's sure pissing off everybody now, not just one side. Yeah. Dr. Bradley, what do you say on this? I say get close to the Lord and stay there in this world today. We've got to, we've got to have that, that divine inspiration, intuitive, whatever you want to call it. Uh, because if you listen to the pundits, and again, whether it's political pundits or economic pundits or whatever, um, I think that going back to the, the time-tested processes, whether it's constitutional principle 
or intrinsic value, real money that uh, the, the nation was founded on, marriage. Uh, you take anything that you've got going in your life, look where the traditional values were, and I think you can say, okay, this is time-tested. You know, maybe you say, oh, I'm in a rut. No, the rut takes you someplace. <laughs> it's going there because people wanted to go there. And nowadays, we have a, just a splatter of insanity that's presented to us every single day. I think we've got to sit down, quietly reflect. I've talked to you a lot of times, Sam, on the program about when you get lost, the first thing you do is sit down. You do an introspection. You look at your back trail. You look at your resources. These kind of things apply across the board, not just in government or not yeah, here's just what's comical. in what's I don't care how rich Bill Gates is, Elon Musk is, Jeff Bezos is, any of these uh, yahoos. The Federal Reserve, the global banking cartel, can pull the rug out from under every one of them. They can be rich and considered a god in the world's way right now. But literally overnight, they could absolutely be in shambles. And literally, Elon Musk, this highfalutin guy, buys Twitter for $44 billion, has to sell a bunch of his stock in uh, Tesla to go ahead and get whatever. Uh, and now this guy's literally talking about bankruptcy, laying everybody off, saying we don't even have enough cash to survive. We're losing $2 billion a year. They literally fine Alex Jones $1.5 billion. And now i got to talk about Jeff Bezos on the other side of the pause. We'll do it with Kelly Finnegan, RussQuinnGift.com, and Dr. Scott Bradley, FreedomSizingSun.com, in seconds on your radio. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast. And that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency.
Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. So listen to me carefully. <laughs> Elon Musk literally melting down. The guy, how do you how do you do that? You're the richest guy in the world, and you're talking about bankruptcy for the company you just bought. Amazon, by the way, Jeff Bezos, believe it or not, is the first company to lose a trillion dollars in market value share price. It has fallen almost 50% this year alone. He's literally lost. I don't know how to understand this. He's literally lost a trillion dollars in less than a year. Kelly? I, I think you mean a billion dollars, but um, the government. Can Not says a trillion dollars. Wow. Well, you know, it's funny that people think that if someone has money that they're smart. And most of the multimillionaires that I've ever met are complete idiots. They just have really good people working for them. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not hard to do nowadays. If you put all your eggs in one basket, boy, that basket can get thrown around all over the place. You know, first Amazon, you know, couldn't get enough product, and now they've got too much. All right, so just so you know, just just to to double this down, CNBC says it's a trillion dollars. And to Dr. Scott Bradley's point on the break, Scott Bradley and and others were saying, hey, didn't, uh, you know, the the Amazon just double because of the pandemic or whatever? And it said, yes, it more than doubled during the pandemic, but it's already back down and they've lost 50%. Now they've lost a trillion, uh, a trillion dollars. It's insane. That is insane. And, and you know, I'm sure everybody's betting that they're going to, you know, buy the dip. It's time to get in there. He's going to make make a big turnaround. It's funny. Kmart and Sears are gone. Yeah, because yeah, Kmart and Sears were replaced by solid business. Right, Dr. Bradley? <laughs> you know, uh, Kelly mentioned earlier about uh, Groucho Marx losing his fortune for buying stocks. You know, Groucho Marx, I mean, uh, he's quick-witted, intelligent kind of guy that played the clown in many comedy things. But to tell you the truth, sound principles are all, they never go out of style. And uh, and easy come, easy go, it's only money, all those kind of attitudes that hit with so many of these people. I tend to be more of a, you know, the the steady hand, plow the, the, uh, you know, the furrow you're in. Uh, never lose sight of the fact that hard work and faith and devotion to correct principles are, is what really, really in the long run is best to be on. And and I think we're going to see a lot of people over the next, I don't know the period of time, between now and whenever the Savior comes, I guess, we're going to see s- some dramatic, dramatic things in our economy, in our pol- politics, in our families, in principle, and, and I think stay in the course Knowing you need to know the foundation first, and if you don't, well, you're you're a ship without a rudder, and yeah, uh, and storm tossed sea. I was going to say, and people get burned when they rely on these experts to help them because they don't know, you know, and they're putting all their trust in the arm of flesh. And Ooh. if you know, you at least have to use your brain. That's the reason we have it. But they want to rely on these experts who are in it for themselves too. You know, they have an agenda, so issue study and learn amen to that there you have it ladies and gentlemen anyway i thought that was interesting between jeff and old elon wow those guys are taking a beating but again the federal reserve has ultimate control and everybody will take a beating except for them if they want them to all right wall street journal or the wsj if you will they have an editorial board 
who literally outright called Donald Trump a loser on Wednesday after the anticipated red wave failed to materialize. Republicans underperformed nationwide. And uh, Donald Trump literally backed about 400 candidates during the midterm cycle, and it didn't go too well, Kelly. No, and, and, you know, that's, again, where everybody's relying on Donald Trump because, you know, he's worth a lot of money or controls a lot of money, and he must, you know, know things. But, uh, and so now, you know, but he, he likes that. He likes getting all the credit. So it's like, well, here's the blame, too. So, you know, I think he's even called a, DeSantis to sacrimonious, you know, and it's like he better be really, really careful or he's going to not have a, a good memory left behind of what he did. Dr. Bradley, what do you want to say to that? Well, I mean, you know, there's so much we could say. We said some in the first hour. I think Trump probably has lost his opportunity for 2024. I think the handwriting's on the wall, the acrimony's there, and his response now is going to be even more destructive. But uh, Kelly said something very important. I think the nuanced words sometimes need to be emphasized. There's wisdom in it. He said Trump controls a lot of money. Elon Musk is the same way. He may have a lot of personal assets, too. There's no getting around that. Trump does, too. But Musk borrowed money to buy Twitter. He's leveraging something here. These guys leverage other people's money that they allow to take the risk. And sometimes um, if we don't understand that and, and we say, wow, they're all in with all their money. No, they're not. They're using other people's money. And uh, the fact of the matter is that, that we, little people, if you will, um, we need to be on hard and, and solid ground. We need to understand our limits and bounds. We need to recognize, I mean, you know, we don't put our treasure where our hearts are if it's in the false things, you know. We need you know, true religion undefiled, the vo- visit the fatherless and the we need to to live within our means. We need to be wise. We need to not leverage ourselves. And and I think the sound foundation has always been there. It's just that we have kind of gotten into a society where everybody's now just about as crazy as they were in the 1920s. Yeah, you're and, right uh, about that fact. So, ladies and gentlemen, the Donald Trump win-loss record is very interesting. On one hand, he brags that he, he'll win bigly and all this stuff. It doesn't turn out that way. Right now, it's looking like he might be 50% winning of the candidates he backed. Uh, It might go up as high as 87% if everybody that he backs wins that are in question now. The problem is now that Trump has kind of got sour grapes because of the losses. He's literally attacking uh, people and doing things that really is going to hurt him big time. You know, I'm not really a favorite of Ron DeSantis, but he's one of the better ones by far. Okay, he's far from perfect. He's not a Scott Bradley by any means or Kelly Finnegan. But look, to attack Ron DeSantis, one of the shining stars that won in the 22 elections, look, it's not going to bode well for Trump in 24. So I'm really concerned about that. I think Trump is making a big miscalculation there, and I don't know where that will go. Now, I got an email from the Republicans, though, and this is a sham in my opinion, but they say this. The Senate race in Georgia, the Senate race in Georgia, is too close to call, and we cannot afford for you to sit on the sidelines any longer, Sam. The fate of America hangs in the balance. And you know what? This couldn't be a bigger lie. They say, rush an emergency contribution to us now, Sam. 
and they go off on this uh, big deal. They say, Sam, if you fail to step up, Democrats will continue to take America down the wrong path, and we may never be able to reverse it, Sam. Can we count on you to do your part to help us take back the Senate? I'm not giving these clowns any money. That's the deep state sending you those emails begging for money, folks. This is just disaster on steroids. The uh, idea of the runoffs in the first place are as racist in their origins as it gets. Uh, and anyway, they sign it GOPHQ, paid for the, by the Republican National Committee. Folks, don't fall for these lies. Dr. Bradley, you're first on that, then Kelly. Everybody uses these things. Wherever the wind blows, they're gonna they're gonna spin them in a marketing way, a, a, you know, Madison Square, Madison Avenue kind of thing. They're gonna look for the way they can spin it to make more. And this this fundraising thing is just one of those. Um, literally and truthfully, um, more hype comes out of these things. I think we need to read read deeply into what happened on Tuesday. And understand that uh, that we're in deep trouble as a nation, and uh, it's not going to just be political. It's going to be economic too. The subject we're talking about here in this little segment with Kelly. Um, a, a word of caution: be wise, uh, stay close to the Lord, and uh, pull all those that you love close to you, because that's the only real value we have in this thing. And uh, I, I don't know. We just we get the Madison. Avenue kinds of hypes all the time, and and I I've just closed them out a long time ago. Kelly, final words yours, sir. Well, well I'm going to say there's the two great motivators for human beings, and that's fear and greed, and they're instilling fear in you to feed their greed. You send them money, and we'll scare the hell out of you. So and 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 it works. It's it's, it's worked for forever. You know that's why Nigerian princes are always telling me that I've inherited lots of money because <laughs> they know that greed works. But these guys are using fear for their greed. Yes, they are. They are. And the it's sad part is that Donald Trump and an Elon Musk and a Jeff Bezos and everybody else could literally fund the elections themselves without even blinking an eye. Now they could go ahead and make sure their guys get over the top if that's what they really want. But the bottom line is Donald wants to start out by telling you he's going to spend his own money. Then later he wants to spend all of yours, along with Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and everybody else that's on literally corporate welfare, ladies and gentlemen. That is one of the quintessential problems of fiat money. Uh, and that is the Honest Money Report from Liberty Roundtable Live, giving it to you straight like nobody else has the integrity and or the guts to do. Uh, there's a few people. I shouldn't say nobody. There's a few, but I'm telling you, it's very few indeed. Why? Because it gores the ox of the retailers and the partners that bring them big advertising dollars. And since I fund everything virtually by myself and with a few dear beloved friends who put their money where their mouth is, RussCoinandGift.com being one of them, uh, all I'm telling you is that, look, we don't, we don't pay attention to that because we get our money uh, elsewhere. But I'm telling you right now that the game is on fiat currency. They are going to force this into the Federal Reserve's latest deception, latest criminal financial activity, uh, and they don't like competition. So pretty soon all the cryptocurrencies besides your government global crypto will eventually be marginalized and eventually shut down. The government let these fiat currencies float because the government wanted to get us used to them, liking them, dependent on them, making them mainstream. But in the end of the day, they're going to pull the rug out from everybody else, and they're going to be the ones holding all the cards. They'll tie that then a fiat money account that they control and have a backdoor and control over for you. They'll tie that to a credit score. 
and then they're going to take off the gloves, folks, because there won't be anything you can do. This You won't be able to buy and sell thing becomes very, very real. Uh, how it all breaks down when it becomes the mark of the beast, I have no idea yet. I'm not a prophet. Uh, but knowing full well that they will tie this to eventually your behavior and to your lifestyle. You know, Dr. Bradley, you spoke out, and we're simply going to lock your account down until you decide not to. They've already done that to me with Twitter to prove the point, and it turns out I was right all along. But Elon Musk isn't freeing up my account anytime soon. Now he's catering to the free speech violators and trying to kowtow to them. He's already lost the battle as he's on the ropes of possible bankruptcy. So, folks, we're in serious trouble here. It's all tied to fiat money. And that's why our uh, segments with Brian Rust and Kelly Finnegan are so vital, so critical, so important to focus on. And understand because look, this isn't just for those who like gold and silver or coin collectibles. This will be reality for every one of us. RustCoinandGift.com. You've got a friend in the honest money business, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you very much. Wonderful commentary, ladies and gentlemen. Kelly Finnegan for RustCoinandGift.com. Dr. Bradley, thank you so much, sir, as well. Glad always to be with you guys. Great exchange. Thank you much. FreedomsRisingSun.com for his weekly webinars, his collegiate series, and more. For Sam Bushman, the producers in the studio, and all God-loving Americans, we declare this nation shall endure. Share live and on-demand talk radio from LovingLiberty.net with everyone you know. LibertyRoundtable.com. God save the Republic of the United States of America.